Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Forever Saturday podcast, because it is always college football Saturday in our house. I'm Serena, better known as S. George at R on Twitter. And I'm Matt, also at Matt Swartz 723 And we are not going to talk about basketball. No, we're not. Sorry. <laughs> Number one, we don't really talk about, like we did a little bit of it last season. We don't really talk about basketball. We're football people first and foremost. But also, man, that's fucking depressing. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that at all. I don't even want to watch that. I'm just going to move right past that. Like, the Penn State game got out of hand. I went to the mall. I was like, all right, see you later. I'm shopping now. Yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. Like I said, we are not going to talk about basketball. So Correct. we're just going to fast forward right to the uh, the football content here. I know. I like I do our tagline, right? I'm like, it's always college football Saturday in our, in our house. It is the farthest thing from college football Saturday. It is a Monday in January. <laughs> And we're like, I, football has never felt further away. Oh, come on. It's only seven months. God damn it. <laughs> it's going to take so long. Well, on that note, since we uh, we got some time to kill, and before we're ready to like fully move on to 2023, I mentioned on the last episode, I really wanted to take a chance to kind of reflect on 2022 and what was... I mean, really, by all definitions, Michigan's best season since 1997. You're talking 25 years, some lifespans or certainly adult lives for a lot of people who are, are listeners to this. So that's going to be kind of the crux of this episode is looking back at what we did was we put together our top moments or top plays of the 2022 season. I did and Serena did. And then we kind of consolidated those into one overall We negotiated placement. We negotiated, yeah. So we've list. narrowed that down to a consolidated top 10. That we're going to kind of count down. You're like the CEO of reminiscing, by the way. Like, I do feel like in every pod, like every podcast this year, as we like approach the Ohio State game and then after the Ohio State game, we were like, guys, take, don't take it for granted. Think back on it. It's really important. We haven't done this in a zillion years. You're like the CEO. You're like in your feels. I did that a lot. You're right. You I are mean, like in your feels. Look, <laughs> I've been a Michigan fan for a long time. Look, he says, <laughs> look. When you've seen uh, what Michigan's been putting on the field for a lot of the last, you know, 15, 20 years, like it's it's been a long time since we could seriously talk about some of the things we were talking about toward the end of this. I started school at Michigan in the fall of 2009. Believe me, I know what you're fucking talking about. (laughs) Even before that. (laughs) It was yikes. It'd been a while. It was yikes. I mean, 2006 was really the only season that I think you could compare to this one until the Ohio State game. And then obviously it ended in sort of, you know, not not quite their fashion but yeah after a long time of waiting for something like this even though it ended you know and not the way we wanted it to obviously i uh yeah i i do want to reminisce about that a little bit and reflect on some of the good stuff spoiler alert there are not going to be any moments from the tcu game in this top <laughs> 10 <Surprise>. list <laughs> i know you're shocked yeah well before we do that though i guess there are a couple things that we wanted to talk about briefly in the first few minutes here around things that are happening right now in Michigan football. The first one, I think the kind of bigger news of the week was that Michigan did hire a quarterback's coach. We thought it might be an offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, depending what they wanted to do with Sharon Moore. What they ultimately ended up doing was promoting analyst Kirk Campbell, who actually was a quarterback's coach at Penn State a few years ago, back when Josh Gaddis was there, was at Penn State when 
then offensive coordinator Ricky Ronnie went to Old Dominion. He went with him to Old Dominion and became offensive coordinator for a couple of years. I just want to take an opportunity to point and laugh at Josh Gaddis. Okay, thank you. Oh, yeah, we should definitely do that. I, I, I don't even really need to say anything else. We've said enough, but... Few people have ever lit their career so thoroughly on fire with ego. My guy took Gattis a motherfucking blowtorch <laughs> to everything he built in like a year. It's honestly impressive. Like, how do you go from winning the Broyles... To being fired in like 11 months. Like, like, what the fuck were you doing? Yeah. I mean, Broyles winner, guy who was interviewing for the Virginia head coaching job. I mean, he was very much on the brink of like a legit power five head coaching job. Could have come back to Michigan. Got all on his feels about Michigan not basically guaranteeing him the job if Harbaugh left. Left, lit the fucking bridge on fire. And his career has been in free fall ever since. So, yeah, it's pretty funny, honestly. Yeah, it seems to me that nobody likes Josh Gaddis. I think that's, yeah, that's kind of where I'm landing to. Like, it seems like the folks at Miami, you know, like, he got fired like a month after, like, he got fired, well, you could have got fired two months ago. Like, if this right. was really about how putrid Miami's offense was, and make no mistake, it was fucking putrid. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Like, you could have fired him in November. Like, why are, how are you so bad like you piss people off so much that you're getting fired like two months after the season and you haven't committed a crime like Matt Weiss. Right, it wasn't a Matt Weiss situation. Like, yeah, but presumably like, he what are you right, doing? He either did something to piss somebody off or it was a situation where they kind of soft fired him when we're waiting to see if he could get a landing spot. I did hear rumors of that. If that's the case though and he couldn't find a job in the last six to eight weeks. Would you hire like, the brainchild of last year's Miami or the brain trust of last year's Miami offense? I, know, I fucking man, wouldn't. That just, I, I think, sums up how, uh, like I said, how, how far his career has fallen Blow in the last torch, year. Blowtorch, man. Know. But anyway, Kirk Campbell. So he was at Penn State as quarterback's coach, left with Ricky Ronnie when Ronnie took the Old Dominion head coaching job and was offensive coordinator there at Old Dominion for a couple of years. They were fine. They were in their early stages of FBS football. They weren't particularly good like average to below average offensively in conference USA kind of hard to really draw any conclusions from that but before last year Campbell came to Michigan as an analyst and now has been promoted to a quarterbacks coach which means obviously that with him not getting a co-offensive coordinator title or something of that nature Sharon Moore is now full-on offensive coordinator which that was the one thing to me that uh, you know I, I think overall the hiring seems fine it is somewhat uh, supported by the fact that we know, or at least we, we heard, you know, pretty strong reports that Michigan had reached out to Greg Roman, and that there were a couple other potential, you know, potential quarterbacks coach names out there that Michigan was looking into. And if those options were out there and potentially on the table, and Michigan still opted for Campbell, that says something about something as far as he's concerned. I think that they went with him as kind of the the preferred route. There were pretty strong reports that. He that was, says something about something. That's right, yeah. <laughs> okay. You never what? heard that one before? No, that's a, that's a platitude for the ages. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> it implies some. I mean, you can kind of read into it as you want, I guess. I mean... I see. To me, it indicates that Analysis. they felt that if he was the best option and they had some pretty good external options, then that speaks well for him, basically, is what I'm trying to get at there. Sure, I get it. I just never heard it before. There were also pretty strong indications that he was J.J.'s very preferred option at quarterback's coach, that they'd worked closely together last year and that he uh, he was very supportive of Campbell getting the promotion. And I, I think this kind of ends up looking similar to um, to what we saw last year when they promoted Moore and, and Weiss, right, to co-offensive coordinator. It was a stability play or a continuity play. 
where they said, we like what we have. We feel like it's coming together nicely. We don't want to fuck it up by bringing somebody in from the outside when we feel like what we have internally is pretty good and we can continue taking you know, another or more steps forward. And that's what this feels like to me. Fair enough. The one kind of hesitancy I had around this was, I mentioned this on Twitter, that Sharon Moore a couple of years ago was tight ends coach, right? They moved him up to a line coach and co-offensive coordinator. And the O-line is absolutely slapped. The O-line has been fantastic. I mean, he's doing, <laughs> can't argue how fantastic he's been as an offensive line coach and what a great move that was. Last year, obviously, he was co-offensive coordinator, but it appeared to me from what we could see on camera during games that Matt Weiss was doing more of the kind of standard play calling yeah, or communication. Yeah, Matt tried to Zapruder this all the time during games. He would really be like, did. He would be, like, looking at Sharon Moore and, like, looking when they would give you, like, the clips of the, like, the box. And he would be like, okay, but you see, like, Sharon Moore's mouth is never moving, Serena. And I would be <laughs> like, you're right. It's not moving. He's like, Harbaugh's mouth isn't moving. Sharon Moore's mouth's not moving with the play calls getting. It has to be Weiss calling the plays. Like, he, like, he, he logicked his way through this, like, many times a game. Or at least as, like, like, the primary play caller. That was my interpretation. That's my hypothesis from what I was able to see. And now with Sharon Moore, you're kind of hoisting a little bit more responsibility onto him. And for a guy who was a tight ends coach a couple of years ago, and you've kind of given him more and more responsibility, I know he's very highly thought of, and there's a good chance he's going to be, well, he's not going to be at Michigan much longer because he's going to get a, you know, a, a attractive head coaching offer, I think, in the relatively near future. But to keep kind of hoisting more responsibility on him is, to me, it just makes me a little bit, I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word, but at some point you got to feel like you're stretching somebody a little bit thin That's and you keep kind of say. moving them up in, in responsibility and roles and so forth. The caveat to that would be that if there's ever a year when you're going to do that, like normally if you were doing that, I think you'd look at the O-line and feel like oh, that's such a hard coaching job in and of itself with you're coaching five guys who have to be coordinated together. It's kind of a mini coordinator job in and of itself. And so you would be worried about with him taking on kind of a full-on offensive coordinator role, can he still do his original job effectively? Well, if there was ever an O-line in the history of O-lines that needs little guidance, exactly. this is probably it. Right. They've got so much coming back this year between uh, Carson Barnhart, Trent A. Jones, Zach Zinter, Trevor Keegan, and where you're losing guys, right? Oluolowatimi and Ryan Hayes. You've got experienced starters coming in as transfers to potentially fill those spots if you don't feel like what you have behind them in the Michigan pipeline is ready. So you've got experience all over the place, as much experience as you could possibly ask for. And so in that regard, there's probably very little risk of the offensive line kind of atrophying or not getting the kind of coaching that it needs. So, yeah, I do think if there's going to be a year or a time to do that, this is probably it. And if you think that that's kind of the track that he's on, that he's ready for that, and you want to keep moving him up to make sure that he gets the, uh, like Sharon Moore as a coach, gets the development and the opportunities that he deserves, then I think that's fine. And, and I also, in looking back at Campbell and what he's done, I mentioned that he was an offensive coordinator for two years. So this may actually be not as significant of a change, just in the sense that as a former offensive coordinator and play caller, he can probably take on something more of a passing game coordinator role, more similar to what Weiss had. And so maybe this is a, a pretty minor change in the grand scheme of things. And then when you layer in, like I said, the offensive line experience and what they've already got and, and those guys just continuing to develop probably without needing quite as much hands-on coaching, I, I think there's pretty low risk here. Again, it comes back to being like a continuity play, and I expect that there will be, um, you know, 
little to no drop off in that regard from losing Weiss and, and just keeping what they have together and trying to build on that. Cosign. The other news item I guess we're kind of waiting to hear about is uh, Davis and Igbenusen, who's the transfer corner from Ole Miss. We mentioned on the last episode, I think, that with DJ Turner and Jemin Green having left, the number two corner spot across from Will Johnson is really the only open question mark, which is pretty nice to only have one <laughs> one spot on the field, really, on either side of the ball that you're looking at and being like, uh, that could be kind of dicey. We don't know what we have there. Igbenusen was a freshman All-American last year at Ole Miss, and when he came in, I mean, he was a top 150 recruit in the country, six foot two, like a guy who's legit talented, not just a guy who kind of popped up and had a nice year, but you're not quite sure. Like he could be a real player across from Will Johnson and to get him coming out of his freshman year would be a great move. He visited Michigan over the weekend, also visited Ohio State over the weekend. Boo, I saw he got a crystal ball there. <laughs> he did get a, don't love that. a national writer crystal balled him to Ohio State. And it kind of sounds like the, the rumblings right now are that Basically, the Sam Webbs of the world are saying if they were to pick right now coming out of the weekend, it'd probably be that he would end up at Ohio State, which would hurt for a couple of reasons. I mean, obviously, one, you still have the question mark at corner, and two, Ohio State gets a guy who looks like a real good player, which is pretty annoying. With that defensive backs coaching, did you watch them yeah. get put in a blender by Cornelius Johnson or nah? I guess they've got the immediate playing time pitch, that's for sure. <laughs> so do we. Fuck yeah, you. Probably. And right. your dumb program. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, Michigan's definitely done a better job of develop, developing defensive players in the last few years, so that's a, a pretty good pitch they've got. But it doesn't sound super promising, but he's got, I think, at least a visit to UCLA and maybe Tennessee still coming up. So we'll see what happens there and what he ends up deciding. But that's one I'm uh, obviously keeping an eye on, along with uh, Nicholas Harbor out of D.C., who's the, the five-star. We're not very, getting that guy. There's no fucking way. Come on. The Michigan people still think they're getting him. I don't know about all that. I'm seeing Crystal Ball South Carolina. I'm seeing Phil Knight drop the bag. Like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just it's not a thing. I just feel like it's not a thing. That's also kind I of a weird no situation. I have no inside information. It's just vibes. That's also kind of a weird recruiting situation just because he, I don't know if you all follow this very closely, but he's a track guy. Like, he wants to make the Olympic trials, if not the Olympic team, in 2024. And so the reports are that he basically wants to focus on track in his first year or two, and he wants to play receiver so that he can maintain kind of a track body. Whereas a lot of the recruiting people say he's a five-star athlete, but really for him to reach his potential, he should be like a defensive end or an edge guy. And so when you're balancing sports and balancing kind of these conflicting interests around what your body is and how you want to develop, that's a pretty hard one to say what he's ever going to turn out to be as a football player. And it's not one that I'm losing any sleep over as far as whether Michigan gets him or not. So we'll see what happens. It'd be great to have him and see what he could turn into. I mean, if you could get a guy like with, with that athleticism, a guy who runs a 10-second flat 100 meters and has a potential like tight end body, I mean, having like a super Colston Loveland or a super Devin Funches kind of guy could be really fun. I believe they call that a Brock Bowers. A Brock Bowers. <laughs> Brock Bowers, but fast. Imagine that. Dear God. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I just have no idea what that's going to turn into at the college level. So again, it's not one that I'm super concerned about, but it would be nice. And he's supposed to announce middle of this week. So... Between him and Igbenus and a couple things to uh, to keep an eye on as far as the future. Okay, can we do the fun part now? Yeah, now we're going to talk about the past and, and last yeah. year. Michigan people love to talk about the past, I've been told, so <laughs> let's Listen, do it. Listen, I will say, if you're going to go talking about the past, it is extraordinarily nice 
to be able to talk about the recent past, like, you know, two months ago and not like 15 years ago. That's bomb. It's, it's been really very funny enjoyable. to see, uh, kind of seeing the, the tables turn here with Ohio State fans. I've seen some like salty comments on Michigan videos. Well, we've won, we've won 17 out of the You guys have only won two out of the last 19 games. And you're talking shit. expanding that window, motherfucker. That's how I feel. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shoes on the other foot now, huh? It's fun. I enjoy it. It is pretty entertaining. We've been watching the Michigan State fans do that forever. Like, they had D'Antonio when he, like, absolutely wiped the floor with, like, bad Michigan teams. Michigan was in, like, a very, very dark place. And now they keep – and then it's, like, Mel Tucker's 2-1 and or whatever. And then they keep, yeah, changing the frame of reference is fun. Yeah, get back to me in five years and see how that goes. I enjoy watching Ohio State have to do it now. Like Michigan State having to do it is one thing. It's way it's more a pretty fun jarring to experience State. to have yeah, to watch Ohio yeah, State I'm, fans reconcile. I'm never gonna get over it. <laughs> On that note, yeah, let's talk about 2022 and our top. In which 10. there are no fewer than like 15 <laughs> potential moments from the Ohio oh, yeah. State game alone. So, well, I mentioned this as we started kind of coming up with our list was that a lot of the season when we were recapping these games that Michigan was winning comfortably throughout. There were a lot of them where, you know, you came out of it and you were like, well, that wasn't a very interesting game. Michigan just kind of, you know, fucked around for a little while in the first half and then leaned on them until they collapsed and ultimately kind of ran them over. And there weren't a lot of like, I don't know, super memorable or decisive moments from many of those games. There were some great individual plays. But when you think back to like, I don't know, Indiana, Rutgers, even Iowa, there wasn't necessarily like a game deciding play, right? Nebraska. Did that game even happen? Right. The Nebraska, I have no recollection of anything. We were at that game, I think. We were at that game. Don't remember it. It was cold and it was night and it was a slow motion blowout. Like, was it night? Or did it start at like 3.30? Like, was it night at the end? I don't remember. I yeah, was there. I can't remember I no if it started in the light or not. Yeah, it, it's all, it's like a dream where it, there's no, some hazy recollection of it. That, no, Matt, <laughs> this is a total aside, but that was a 3.30 and it was a 3.30 because if you remember, we got back to our hotel or on the way back to our hotel, we were trying to get Applebee's at oh, like yeah. 7.30 and the, the Applebee's that we went to, we ordered Applebee's to go. This is not relevant at all but i'm gonna tell it anyway and like that goes in there there's no no limits (laughs) matt goes in there to pick up the applebee's and they're like we're sorry every register in the applebee's is down you can't pay for this food and you You can't can't leave (laughs) like and i was just sitting in the car waiting for him for like i don't know i spent like 45 minutes minutes in that applebee's Applebee's. just fucking starving (laughs) it was the worst experience it was so obnoxious so yeah that was a 3 30 game because we were going through this at around 8 30 like this that's what was happening at like 8 30 after we like got out of ann arbor and we're getting back to the hotel and going that was the most memorable component of nebraska football correct i don't remember what happened in the game but i remember the chaotic applebee's yeah, so there were just a bunch of games like that where I, I look back at them and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember like a couple play- I remember this touchdown and, and then we won by like 20, whatever. And there wasn't like the Eric Hall Penn State touchdown, right? The the all too well touchdown, right? As the Michigan Daily called it. Or the, the Brad Hawkins strip of Adrian Martinez at the end of the Nebraska game to set up the winning field goal. Or, I mean, you can get to the Ohio State game, obviously, and we'll have a bunch of those, like you said, but there just weren't that many individual kind of memorable moments. So a lot of them ended up getting concentrated into the Ohio State game and to some extent like Penn State and Michigan State. So No objections to that. That's a little bit of a preview, but we'll uh, we'll go ahead and kick this off then. Do you want to start with number 10? We're going to count down from number 10 to number 1. Sure. Number 10 was one that was on my list and 
It was Corum's 243-yard performance with the two long touchdowns against Maryland. That game, while it wasn't like... Michigan wasn't really in danger of losing it, I felt like, at any point, right? Like, even though Michigan wins by seven, they're up 14 with, like, a couple minutes to go, and Maryland kind of tacks one on late to make the score cosmetically look a little closer than it was right there at the end. It was back and forth for a good— That was as competitive as anybody played Michigan until Illinois, which was a shell of a Michigan team at that point with what they threw out that day. So. I mean, a fully healthy Michigan. That Maryland was the toughest test Ohio- they got Maryland all year. played us better than Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was September Maryland, which, as we know, <laughs> right. matters uh, considerably. But, he, I mean, Corum had, like, an absolutely Herculean performance in that game. He was a monster. He was excellent. He was the game breaker. He was everything that, you know, that was when it was like, oh, he's a Heisman candidate. Yeah. You I mean, 30-plus like, carries, 243 moment. yards. He really put the team on his back in that game because that was a game when J.J. kind of struggled. Maryland spent the day dropping eight guys into coverage and saying, we're not going to get beat deep. And if you want to try to grind it out, go for it. And that was the first time this season we'd seen anybody really do that. I mean, the, the non-conference schedule was so weak that it, it just didn't. <laughs> Michigan could do whatever they wanted. But that was a little bit of a shift, and J.J., I think, kind of struggled in that game, and it was really the quorum show. Like he had, you mentioned the two long touchdowns, but don't forget that one of those came right at the end of the half when Maryland had taken the lead, and it was fourth and one. Michigan went hurry up trying to get a first down, and he broke it off the left edge. And then the second one was, I think, a third and two in the fourth quarter to put it up 14 and kind of kind of put the game away, even though Maryland scored at the end, like you said, make it a, a seven-point margin. But, I mean, both of those were... The game was still in a state where Michigan was kind of in a precarious situation. And he really almost single-handedly kind of pulled the team away from from Maryland and made that a lot less uh, horrifying than it could have been. For sure. We love Blake Corum. Looking forward to seeing you next season. Very much. My perfect tiny running back. (laughs) All right, number nine. This is our first appearance of uh, an Ohio State moment here certainly won't be the last I've got J.J. McCarthy trucking Ronnie Hickman at the goal line early in the fourth quarter to culminate Michigan's one really kind of grinded out down your throat drive and put Michigan up 31 to 20. J.J. McCarthy he'll run it with a lane touchdown Wolverines J.J. McCarthy, what a day. Three touchdown passes. Now he runs one in. That play did absolutely slap. It was the best how he had a blocker, and he was like, nah, fuck you, fuck this blocker. Yeah, I can't remember if it was Keegan. I think it was Keegan coming out in front of him. But, yeah, he has the blocker. He's like, nah. On the, like, it's a quarterback power, basically, right? Just like a, a lead blocker pulling around, and J.J. with – the safety in front of him and the one lead blocker, and he runs right past the offensive lineman and just plows Ronnie Hickman into the end zone. And I think that play actually led to one of the moments we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna highlight a little later. Hell yeah! But uh, yeah, that was a very like JJ has that dog in a moment. Like Michigan is absolutely putting everything on the line to win this game, and uh, obviously they did. So that was. One of my personal favorite moments from that game, out of several. I could come up with 20 moments from that game. <laughs> That's fair. Literally We've got a couple, a couple that are going to be honorable mention, a few more still to go on the list. 
Um, but first, we've got a couple others non-Ohio State moments, including number eight. Jake Moody's game winner against Illinois. Like, it was hard for me to even conceptualize this one because I was like, we shouldn't have needed a fucking game winner against Illinois. This is so stupid. But we did. It was a very dumb game. And Jake Moody really delivered. I mean, this guy's the best kicker in Michigan history. Yeah. I, right? I mean, that, like, that's not a hot take, right? No. I mean, Michigan's had some All-American kickers. And it's still pretty hard to argue that Moody wasn't the best of all of them. With the Groza Award last year, Groza finalist this year, became Michigan's all-time field goals made leader, I believe, on that kick Yeah, to wrap up his senior day. <laughs> he's unbelievable. And that was an incredible moment for him. It, you know, it kept Michigan, it kept football Armageddon alive, right? Undefeated teams in Columbus the next week. It couldn't have been more huge in that regard. So, you know, ice in the veins, got to respect it, got to love it. Like, it didn't really matter in the context of the season and what Michigan ended up doing. But well, Yeah, because if you beat Ohio State even at 11-1, and one, you're in. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Right. But in the moment with that game looking – I mean, it looked, with, it looked for most of the fourth quarter like Michigan was going to lose that game. And like we mentioned, they were playing a, a shell of a team. It didn't like, – even coming out of that game when we did the Ohio State preview, I kept saying, like, that's not – that was not really Michigan – that was like half of Michigan. And so you yeah, can't read anything into what happened. That's in the episode. I said that over and over. Like you, you just can't read anything from what happened in that game and take it as like meaningful going forward for what Michigan is going to put on the field. Also, Illinois' defense is better than Ohio State's substantially. So I think like, Illinois ended up – Georgia and Illinois were like one and two in SP plus defense. And we talked a lot about how like Big Ten West is fucking terrible offensively. And so all that kind of needs to be adjusted. But that Illinois defense, I think, was legit like a top five defense in the country. So I got to give them credit, but yeah, given the way that Michigan had to come back and kind of scratch and claw through the fourth quarter and give themselves a chance, and then Moody again on his senior day, setting the Michigan record with the walk-off field goal, like that was a really cool moment in a season that, as we were talking about before, just didn't have a lot of kind of individual decisive moments in games because Correct. there were so Everybody much. Everybody else body sucks blows. too much. Right. <laughs> Get your bread up. <laughs> exactly. All right. Number seven, another non-Ohio State moment here. But this one is from what was at the time Michigan's biggest game of the year at home against Penn State. And, I mean, that was a game that Michigan completely dominated from start to finish. But if you remember how that started, Penn State had the the fluky uh, interception return for a touchdown. They got the long Trace McSorley run that set up a, a fourth and, I think it was fourth and one or fourth and two like at the goal line touchdown and all of a sudden Michigan's in this game where it's like it feels like we're in complete control but we're losing they kicked a field goal right before the half to go up 16-14 but it was it did not feel great given the way the game was going and then early in the third quarter all of a sudden you get the two huge runs first from Donovan Edwards breaking off the uh, 67 yard touchdown to put Michigan up 24-17 and then just after that, at the very first play of the next possession, Blake Corum going 61 yards. First down, Corum with a lane. No, make that Edwards. Breaks it back. Donovan Edwards sprinting. Touchdown, Michigan, 67 yards. Blake Corum with a lane. Blake Corum breaks it back. Blake Corum sprinting. Blake, the great. Touchdown, Michigan! 61 yards! 
the Coromon in particular was kind of an exclamation point, like, okay, we've got this. So those were, I think we both had those relatively high on our list as, uh, as top 10 moments. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the whole game in general, right? Like, I had heard absolutely non-fucking-stop from the Penn State fans about how good their run defense was. And it was. The funny thing is they were right. They were and not wrong. we still wrong. just kicked the shit out and of we them. And we were like, nah, 100 or 418 yards on your face. <laughs> like, bye. It was so cool. Like, that whole game was cool. I enjoyed it a lot. The yes. score is funny. That team went fucking 11-2. and two. Yep. <laughs> and Michigan ran for uh, 418 yards on 55 carries. That slaps. That was an obliteration of what really was a top 10 rush defense in the country. And Michigan was just that good. And that uh, it was those two runs that really kind of opened the floodgates and uh, took that game from from dicey to uh, to pretty comfortable pretty quickly. Yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Big same. All right, number six. Now we hit our our string of. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It like, so, why am I apologizing? The, yeah, you people are going to love this. Okay, <laughs> it's basically Ohio State game Palooza at this point for number six. The flag plant after the game was over. Like, what an iconic thing to do. Like, literally, if you're, if you, if it comes to mind to you to do that, and I feel like, I kind of feel like we need in our minds maybe to give a little bit of credit here to Baker Mayfield because he planted the idea. He, yeah. Like, that seed was planted many years ago by Baker Mayfield, I suppose. Yeah. But, if you have the, like, in the moment, the, the mental wherewithal to be like, I'm going to go grab this flag, and <laughs> I'm going to put it in the middle of this fucking field. Like, you're cool, and that's cool. And it was awesome, and I enjoyed every minute of it. I have it on a t-shirt now. That's like, right. I'm, it's, it's a vibe. Planting the flag. Very cool. Would, would do again 12 out of 10. <laughs> 100% agreed. I, I think there was the... Uh... The comment that we heard, we referenced this at some point, either after the Ohio State game or after the Big Ten championship game when there was playoff conversation going around. And people were talking about, like, TCU had kind of a weak Big 12 schedule. Like, you could argue whether it was a a weak or or not schedule. But anyway, people were talking about, like, TCU versus Ohio State. And, you know, some of the Ohio State fans were arguing for Ohio State getting in. And somebody made the comment of, like, oh, so Ohio State's going to get punished relative to TCU because they have to play in Michigan's division. And the replies were like, that's right, Michigan's division. And that flag planning just kind of felt like the embodiment of that. Like, no, we fucking own this rivalry now. We own this division, and you can come and take it from us. Cosine, you better try it. (laughs) All right, number five. We're rewinding just a little bit in the same game here. I I feel like you should introduce this one, because this was your a a little bit higher on your list than mine. So... I would like, in general, to shout out the Michigan defense for just being, like, menaces, but... They've got some insane dudes on that defense. (laughs) Junior Colson and Michael Barrett each have, like, a just serial killer level horrifying quote about once a week. But it was, I think, what you were alluding to earlier, like, in time. It was after the, you know, the JJ running over Ronnie Hickman sequence. That's right. But it's... You know, uh, Joel Klatt and uh, Gus Johnson are talking about this on the broadcast uh, that, you know, Mikey Sanders still got on the bench and said, 
they are who we thought they were and gave like a big speech about Ohio State being exactly who Michigan thought they were, that they're soft, that they're weak, that they're, you know, exactly who we thought. They don't want that smoke. They don't want that smoke at all. And I guess if your linebacker is getting run over by a, you know, sophomore quarterback, you don't want that smoke, actually. But, like, that is so – like, it's so – like, I'm going to say it over and over again, that iconic – that is iconic behavior. It's so awesome to get up there and say something like that and then be right about it. That, like, again – a million out of ten, love it, perfect. Thank you, Mikey. And it was, I think, what you're what you were talking about a minute ago was the the Mike Barrett quote after the game when he said something along the lines of, "You could see when the light started to go out in their eyes," or something along those lines. I think that was the quote, and it felt like that was all kind of around the same time. Like you had that JJ touchdown run, if I remember correctly, Ohio State. The first play of their next drive, they threw a little swing pass out to Mayan Williams, and he gets absolutely wrecked for, like, a three-yard loss immediately. Like, as he brings in the ball, he just gets destroyed. And I felt like that was kind of the the sequence of events there. The fire's going out here. We've got that They can feel it. They they don't want the smoke. We've got it. It's over, and now it's just a matter of us putting our foot on their throat and ending this. And they did. It's such a hardcore thing to say. And I love it when people do really hardcore <laughs> shit. And that was This hardcore. Michigan team was hardcore the whole year. They were. I think uh, we can move on to number four. Yeah. My favorite play of the year, baby. This, uh, this really was. I, I, it was interesting because it's another one that, like, in the grand scheme of things, it probably didn't matter that much to the no, outcome. No, it fucking mattered. It but mattered. It was so, you can't tell me it didn't matter. It was so emblematic of just everything about Michigan and Ohio State as programs right now. And I think you probably have a sense of where this is headed, which was early fourth quarter, Michigan's up 11, Ohio State's driving, a chance to cut it back to three or four points. They have the the third down from about the 10-yard line, and C.J. Stroud rolls out and tries to throw back to the uh, tight end, Cade Stover, across the field, corner of the end zone. And Mikey Sainer still comes flying out of nowhere, at little like five foot nine, Mikey Sainer still against six foot six Cade Stover, and lunges and knocks the ball out just as he's pulling it into his body. And one play from scrimmage later, Donovan Edwards is sauntering into the open field, and the game is over. Stroud looking, Stroud in the end zone. Incomplete. Stover was the intended receiver. Like you could say, whatever happened after that, like Michigan was going to win regardless, but. It was just such a perfect, like, this is what these two teams are right now. It was so cool. It's my favorite play of the whole year. I loved it so much. Because the moment the Stroud releases the ball and you, like, if you freeze that clip at that moment in time, Mikey is, like, five steps behind Stover. Oh, yeah. Like, the amount of ground that he covers in a short period of time to rake this ball away from this much bigger player is actually astounding. It slaps Mikey. I love Mikey. I've been talking about Mikey for <laughs> 10 minutes now. Love Mikey. When he talked love about that. it after, I think maybe it was Michigan football Twitter account or somebody like did a little interview with him about that play specifically. And he mentioned, he said, I'm in man on Stover on this play but I see the motion out to my side of the field, out to the short side, like they're going to run a flare or something. And so I kind of freeze. I'm, I'm looking to see if I need to, you know, come up to, uh, to help and run or if I need to, like, try to take Stroud if he's going to, you know, threaten run. 
and he says by the time he starts rolling out and I see that Stover is is crossing the formation I'm like oh shit like I'm in trouble here because <laughs> I've got a lot of ground to cover but he knew exactly like he, he talked about it in his mind like I, I see where the ball is going I'm looking at where the ball is coming down I'm looking at his hands I know what I have to do to make this play and he had a plan the whole way it was another one that I think was not, not only was it emblematic of these teams but just as you think back, like there have been so many Michigan Ohio State games over the previous, you know, twenty years when Ohio State dominated the series where that Michigan play very doesn't get made. Michigan so easily could have won. You know, I can think back to probably seven or eight games. I don't mean to pick on him, but I'm looking at you, Josh Metellus. <sighs> Metellus was one. Right? I mean, even you can go further back from to, than that and you can go to like, you know, two thousand two, two thousand five, two thousand six, and then if you want to jump past like the uh, the Richrod era, and you can say like 2013, right? The Devin Gardner play, and then into the Harbaugh era with 2017. Like, I can just name them off the top of my head where one or two plays, Michigan doesn't make it, and Ohio State does. And it's like, you have the guys who make the plays when it matters. And every time they have the guys who make the plays when it matters. And this was the time Michigan had it. That was just such a perfect turnaround. And uh, yeah, I loved it. No complaints about that being one of the top five plays of the year. Okay, we're in the top three now. Number three is mine, and it is not actually something that took place on the field at all. But I had been waiting for this moment for eight months, and I had... Longer than that, in a sense. Longer (laughs) than that, in a... Whatever, 20 years, in a sense. But, like... Since I knew it was going to happen, I had, I had been thinking about what it would look like in my brain for eight months, which is week one, right? The first time that they played the James Earl Jones video in the stadium, like they always do right before the team runs out, and they hit us with championship football. We believe in football. Championship football. With the clip of Harbaugh raising the Big Ten Championship trophy from the 2021 season. I had just pictured it in my mind so many times. It was something I said probably in January of last year was like, oh, I can't wait till they redo the James Mm -hmm. Earl Jones video. And they put that clip. I know you all know what clip of Jim, just as he gets the trophy, like raising it above his head. It looks actually like a lot like the picture of him shirtless at the satellite (laughs) camps raising the football. But like I saw that like memed out a lot in the off season. But like he, you know, and he raises it over his head. And I knew that they were going to take that clip and they were going to put it in the part of the highlight video where James Earl Jones says championship football. Because of course they are. Like, what, what else are you going to do? And I waited and waited and waited to see what that was going to look like. And so watching it when they put that up on the stadium, like, for the first time, like, I, I cried. I cried actual tears. Yeah, they I were, a little emotional. They were coming down. I'm in my seats. Tears are flowing. It's very normal behavior. Um, I waited for so long. Yeah. We waited for so long for that. And like, the thing about it too, 
was like right they've been playing that video at michigan stadium for like seven years or like at least now it's like seven years because the first time they debuted it they debuted it at the signing of the stars event which was the fucking weirdest thing i've ever been to in my life matt and i were both there we didn't know each other we were probably seated no more than five feet from each other it's pretty wild because we have pictures that look like they're almost from the exact same spot yeah weird but we were both there we saw it then and we were like okay this video slaps and then you know ever since then they've played it in the stadium like every year and every single time for the longest time that they said championship football, I rolled my fucking eyes. I rolled my eyes because I was like, when will I see championship football? I've been a Michigan fan for 15 years and I've never seen championship football. I don't know what the fuck y'all are on because there are no championships here. You know how nice it is to not have to roll my eyes when they say that anymore? I don't have to roll my mm-hmm. eyes when they say that anymore. And they put in the clip and they raised the trophy and it was everything that I thought it would be. It was perfect. I loved it so much. A million out of ten again. <laughs> I, I would have put this at number one if Matt didn't veto me. <laughs> I didn't really veto. I, I didn't have this on my list initially, but I probably should have. And I think that what you just said all kind of segues pretty well into what we have for moment number two which was, I think I mentioned after the Big Ten Championship game, that we didn't get to go in 2021 to Indianapolis. So we weren't there, and probably some people who were, maybe that one had sort of the same cathartic effect. but Probably more, honestly, uh, given right, that yeah. it was the first one in forever. But, I mean, what you just said about we waited so long for this, uh, we did go this year to watch Michigan and Purdue in Indianapolis. And... And that game was, was tense for a while, right? I mean, it was a lot like some of the other games where Michigan yeah, I was pissed. struggled kind of in the first half and then eventually just pulled away as, as they did against pretty much everybody. But it wasn't really even the on the field. Like, it wasn't an individual play. It wasn't really a moment in the game itself. It was afterward when, you know, the team and the coaches are all kind of getting up on the sort of podium sort of thing that they roll out there for the the trophy and you know they, they name the game mvp and so on and so forth and it's during all of this that we're just sitting there and they've got the confetti coming down from from the rafters in lucas oil and i mentioned this in the podcast right after the game that it's it's not even exactly confetti it's almost like glitter confetti that's so light that it like hovers in the air and gives the entire, like, it gives your entire field of view this, like, sort of dreamy, surreal atmosphere. It's kind of hard to explain. If you've seen it, like, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but (laughs) hard to explain if you don't know what I'm talking about. But just sitting there and, you know, looking around and seeing this, like, maze and blue. I feel like they're, like, fans or some shit. There probably are, yeah. Like, they're keeping it up in the air The air conditioning probably allows it to just sort of stay afloat. But yeah, just sitting there and you've got this maize and blue glitter haze in the air and you've got, you know, Harbaugh up there hoisting the championship trophy and, you know, we're sitting there being able to experience it in person. And I mean, I was just as emotional then as you were talking about being for the James Earl Jones video where I'm looking at this thinking, you know, 13-0 and and Big Ten champs, we did it. You know, it had been a long time waiting for for that moment to be able to experience it in person and be there and just have the the surrealness and the the crowd you know the let's go blue and the mr bright side it was 
it was just something that uh, I'll never forget. His so. eyes are looking a little glassy right now for those of you at home who don't have the visual. <laughs> I have still, the visual. Still a little emotional. I'm sitting here drinking out of my 13 and 0 Big Ten Champions mug that my cousin got me for Goddamn Christmas. Right. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> but like, no, I mean, it, it it was totally awesome. But yeah, it was the bookends, right? Of the you know, like you said, the championship football with the James Earl Jones video and seeing that and realizing like we we did it. We I made want it. him to split screen it next year, and I want <laughs> both images of Harbaugh. I'm down the for trophy. that. <laughs> and then to end it. On with, the new gigantic video board. Oh, that's right. We drove past the stadium recently, and the video board was was down entirely. And when you're coming up, when you're coming up stadium, and there's not the big block M there on the back, it's it was a pretty uh, pretty weird sight. Yeah, it was sad. I didn't like it. Please put them back up immediately. Thank you. I'm sure they get them back up soon. So that brings us to number one. Number one. Our top play. Slash moment. Like I said, I would have put championship season. football at number one, but Matt and I both had this at like one or two, so we right. decided that it, you know, made the most sense to kind of average it and make it your number one. Donovan Edwards' long touchdown runs against probably Ohio does not State. come as a surprise. To I had the first. I had the first one really on my list, not the second one, because the first one was really like, oh, this is fucking over. Like, bye, losers. I also I, I put on my list. I said Donovan Edwards long touchdown runs plural and then I put in parentheses if Serena makes me pick one the first one (laughs) so I think we had the same idea there and we have laughed many times about the sequence that led up to that touchdown I mean first of all the Mikey pass breakup right so then Ohio State settles for a field goal and Michigan's only up eight again so you've got nominally a one score game and Jim then, Knowles has got to have the best series of his career as right. a coordinator. And I, oh, bye. Right, <laughs> so Joel Klatt immediately so starts funny. talking about what Jim Knowles and the defense have to do. And literally nine seconds later, Donovan Edwards is in the end zone 75 yards away. Like doing that like little the, tugging celebration yeah, that he's doing like, while he's high-stepping. Well, like pull the, pull the horn kind of celebration. Is that the first touchdown of the second? Am I misremembering? Ooh, actually, yeah, I, I don't remember I don't know. Sure. It was funny as fuck. It doesn't matter. What I remember is Joel Klatt. Like Joel Klatt is a legend for giving us those two things in such like such a sequence. Because he was literally... They show Jim Knowles in the press right. box. And then they go... In the whatever, it's not really the press box, but like in the box, in, in the coach's box, the yeah. coach's box, yeah. and he they, he's got to have the best series of his, of the seat of maybe of his career as a, and it's like insta touchdown, instant touchdown, immediately touchdown, so perfect, so funny, a billion out of ten, highly recommend unless you're Ohio State fans, at which point I recommend finding a new team. In fact, it was so fun that here you go as a gift. Here's Edwards with a lay down. Down the sideline, gets past Ransom, Donovan Edwards, touchdown Michigan, the Don! So yeah, that was pretty fun. And then of course, a few minutes later, you had the the follow-on, the, the uh, I believe it was 85-yard touchdown run, where he breaks it. I don't know, it's too many yards to keep <laughs> track of. But yeah, I, I, I think for both of us, the first one felt like kind of the the backbreaker. Where at that point, it was, you know, Ohio State's two touchdowns down. Like, sure, you know, they've they've got the offense; they can come back. But also, like, this is Michigan's game now. And when you already had the, you know, the JJ plowing the safety, the Mikey pass break, just all the momentum was in Michigan's favor at that point. In a way where, I, I think, I mean, I'm speaking for myself here, but it felt like that was that was it. 
this is happening again. Yeah, I mean, Matt and I spent that whole game, like, mind you, right, it's Thanksgiving weekend, so we had just been with my parents in Michigan, and, like, we left on Friday, and my parents were like, why are you leaving on Friday? You got the whole weekend. I was like, we can't. We don't have the whole weekend. We don't. Like, we You're can't. You're fundamentally misunderstanding our relationship with <laughs> Michigan football. Like, like y'all, No. They, they were like, we'll leave the house so you guys can watch. I was like, no, I need to be in my space. I need to be, like, not here. I, like, came back to Chicago. And then that morning, I spent the whole morning. I dropped off the rental car that we drove back from Michigan. And I spent the whole morning listening to, like, a loop of Mr. Brightside slash the, like, sometimes when you're on song. Like, just. Better like, son or daughter. Yeah. For, like, an hour. For, like, two hours like just the whole time until the you know until kickoff at 11 and then i spent the rest of that game pacing like literally oh, yeah. did not sit <laughs> my my apple watch is like are you dying ma'am i'm like yeah <laughs> actually <laughs> sure it, it, ask me in an hour i don't know parts of it i've got my face buried in the couch i can't watch but like in that moment it was like oh shit we done it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean the first we done it again. the first quarter and a half, it looked awful. Like it, it did not look like Michigan was going to be competitive in that game. And then they got the the big play touchdown to Cornelius Johnson, especially the second one to take the lead. Yeah, I again, there are so many moments from that game that like I feel I feel awful having left off right. Cornelius Johnson just in general. Like all things JJ McCarthy and Cornelius Johnson oh, right. in that first half, they were flawless. Love you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it did not look like that was going to go well. And then there was, I, I would say from about the second Cornelius Johnson touchdown onward, it felt like a, a game that could go either way. It was like, okay, Michigan's in this. They've given themselves a chance. Like, they survived what was going on early on. Still don't have quorum. They're going to have to do some stuff we haven't seen them do, but it's possible. They're in it. And then you had the, like, fake double reverse touchdown to Colston Loveland. And then you had the Kalel Mullings trick play on the, the drive that they ground out that ended with the, the JJ touchdown we referenced earlier. And all of those kind of felt like, okay, we're, we're in it. We're staying on top. We're, we're there. Like, we just keep giving ourselves chances. And if we keep doing this, we can win this game. And then the Donovan Edwards touchdown was and really Donovan like, Edwards is like, oh, yeah, we are going to win doing this it. game. <laughs> we're doing it. FYI. I think the defense had already decided, like the, the Mikey speech happened before that, right? I think they had already decided that this is happening. We're doing this. We, we've given ourselves not only a chance, like by giving ourselves a chance, the pressure's on them. Like after the game, I, I said a few times, the, the Mike Valenti, pucker, pucker, pucker. Like they got so fucking tight and you could tell. And I think Michigan knew that it was over. But as fans, we didn't really feel like it was over, over. Oh, no. It's not over till it's over. <laughs> exactly. Sir. I've yeah. seen crazy. We, we, we lived we, through 2015. We have okay? seen crazier shit happen, yes, as Michigan fans. Get often on the wrong side of it. So, but yeah, that was really the stake in the heart. I think similar to, if you remember, at the end of last year's Ohio State game, I've said several times that to me the play when, oh, it's over, we're going to win, was the Hassan Haskins. Oh, about two, just over two minutes left. He broke the run where he ended up hurtling Cam Brown at, like, the five-yard line. And then Michigan scored there. But once they got inside the five with, like, two minutes left, there was almost no scenario in which Ohio State was possibly winning that game. So it was that run that was kind of, that's it. Like, we're doing it. And the, Edwards, the first Edwards touchdown felt a lot like that here. So it was pretty fun. And I think uh, a, 
deserving number one moment of the season. Agree. We've got some more honorable mentions, too. We do. Some ones that were tough to leave off, honestly, including a few more against Ohio State. I had uh, the J.J. to Cornelius Johnson, the second touchdown, the deep ball that put Michigan ahead uh, on my list. I also had Corum's run against Iowa at the end of the game. This one didn't didn't really matter for the outcome, but if you remember, like a minute left, and Michigan's basically just running out clock, and Corum puts that move on Jack Campbell, where he just absolutely roasts him. Like Corum or uh, Campbell basically falls over in the hole, and Corum trots in for a touchdown. Jack Campbell was a first or second team All American linebacker, and Corum just dusted him like a fucking high schooler out of you know some small school in rural Michigan. That's like. Oh, okay, that guy shouldn't be on the same field as these All-Americans, and that guy is a fucking All-American. It just, it was a very like Blake Corum moment of like, oh my god, this guy is so good. So I, that was one that kind of uh, kept coming back to me. And my last one in the honorable mention category was kind of a deep cut here, but in the Hawaii game, JJ, I believe it was his first throw of the game, where he drops back. Roman Wilson goes up the seam against a completely overmatched safety, runs right past him, and J.J. hits him in stride right up the seam for a touchdown. And after the way the Colorado State game went, and then you know we were kind of going into the Hawaii game wondering like, okay, J.J.'s getting his chance. Is he gonna? Is he gonna do it? Is this gonna be J.J.'s team? We're gonna he find is out. Him. And he made that throw, and it yeah. was like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. This is this is J.J.'s moment, and he's on it. And. uh yeah, it was kind of his arrival moment, I thought, of this season. So that was my other uh, honorable mention. He had a couple more, I think. Yeah, the in the Ohio State postgame, not like the postgame press conference, but like right when that game was really coming to an end. Like, yeah, a like as Michigan was taking left, a knee, maybe. Michigan is about to take a knee, and they're just showing the Michigan players celebrating and sad fans, which are the best, inject them directly into great. my veins. Um, they showed, I think it was Mike Morris, right, on the sideline, who yep. was, like, holding up the block O and breaking it over his knee. Like, yep. And he's like, that's weak as fuck. And I was like. Y'all weak as fuck. This is so You cool. can hear him yelling. <laughs> yeah, you can hear him, like, on the broadcast. They, like, caught that and aired it. And I was like, awesome. Yeah, let's do that. It was very actually. entertaining. Um, there were, I mean, there were so many. I had. The opening drive against Iowa, it's not really a moment, right? Because it's like, whatever, it took a few minutes. But, like, that was, you know, in context, right? It's like, okay, we've had the absolute tomato can non-conference schedule. We have this game against Maryland that we win but felt a little dicey at times. And you're going to Iowa City. And it's like, okay, yeah, that offense is an affront to offense. Yeah, you spent, like, a, a- not just a month, like months talking about how that Iowa Kinnick team Juju's was a fraud fake. and that Kinnick Juju was going to be fake. Kinnick Juju's fake. I, I, say, I said what I said. but And you were largely right, but still. But like that defense is still like, it's the Iowa yeah. defense. And like the thing that they can do is make young quarterback make mistakes, right? Like that's like the thing that like, if you're going to lose to Iowa, it's because you're going to like, t- you know, Talia Tagovailoa this and throw like a zillion and a half picks and give them short fields. Right. And You're going to gift them points offensively. Their offense isn't going to do it, but we've seen plenty of teams implode in ways where we're like... Especially young you, quarterbacks. <laughs> it's the uh, the breaking bat. They can't keep getting away right. with, like, Iowa wins it. eight games a, re- a year where you're like, they have no business winning this game, but the other team fucking imploded. Correct. And we and knew that was possible we in knew Michigan's that was first po- road game. Yeah, that game happened. It just didn't happen against Iowa. <laughs> and so, like, 
you know, we were nervous about that, right? I was nervous about that. I was like, okay, you know, you got Iowa. You got their dumb cover, too. They're good at confusing young quarterbacks. J.J. is a young quarterback. You know, he. we played this team last year, but Cade really played this team last year. J.J. Yeah. didn't get a ton of snaps in this game, right? So, ugh, I don't know how that feels. Like, I don't believe in Kinnick Juju, but I do believe in young quarterbacks doing dumb shit. Yep. <laughs> and so, like, okay – and then they go on this absolutely just method, like surgical yeah. opening drive that leads in just like, just easy. Like they just trotted down the field against this like elite defense. And I was like, cool, we're definitely winning this game because seven points might be too many, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like I like I was like, oh, this is over. Okay. And that <laughs> game was never really in danger from right. there. From that point on, that game was like not particularly competitive. Like Iowa did their like tight end waggle bullshit but like like you know right. like it was fine that game was over really pretty quickly and that was really cool that was a nice feeling so i had that opening drive donovan edwards is run against purdue yeah right i mean like it was the one We're that like, about the opened... touchdown run or, or are you talking about the long one to open the second i was half? talking about the one that opened the second half but he had the long touchdown to... yeah whatever yeah well to me the uh the touchdown run that he had i think that put us up double digits mid third quarter that was his best run of the year. I mean, that was the one where he was weaving through, broke like four or five tackles. And it was, I mean, it was the kind of run that you you kind of expect from Corum. And you hadn't really seen that from Edwards, who'd been more like speed. I'll get into the open field. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll roast you. But that was the play that kind of opened my eyes as far as Donovan Edwards being, having the potential to be something really special. And, oh God, I can't believe I missed this one on my list. It was, I skipped right over it because it was at the top of my honorable mention list. But I just wanted to highlight uh, one more of my personal favorites. It was actually relatively high on my list, but didn't quite make it into the top 10. was late against Michigan State, Blake Corum putting the kind of icing on the cake touchdown to make that game. I believe it was 29-7 to at that point. And then in the, the celebration, the aftermath, the crowd gets the, the little brother chant going. And that game, like a lot of others, took a long time to kind of start to feel like it was really in Michigan's grasp. But for me, that touchdown was the one that, kind of like the, the Edwards one we were talking about before, like, okay, this game's this game's over, and now the celebration is really on. And so that touchdown with the, the chant going, it was uh, it was fun vibes in the stadium at that moment. Speaking of Edwards and, uh, and Corum. I just wanted to not mention that because I didn't want to give Michigan State the time of day. I'll give them the time of day for mention, to mention that we beat the shit out of them on the field. Yeah, but I like to pretend they don't exist. It hurts them more. That's fair. But I was just going to say, um, speaking of Corum and Edwards, I'm going to get both guys back next year, which is pretty nice. A whole lot of lightning, as they say. A whole lot of lightning. Right? Lightning and lightning. Lightning and lightning. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, like it's I said, so it wasn't... so far away. It was so far away, and I wasn't ready to move on from, from 2022 with... I mean, we just went through, what, probably 15 or 20 really memorable moments that uh, we can look back on fondly for the next seven months while we bide our time for more Michigan football. And now I walk to my television where I put the Ohio State game on from the DVR. <laughs> and right. I'll do that once a week until, <laughs> until <laughs> August. Um, no, I mean, it really was. It was a wonderful season. If you're listening to this episode, add us with your favorites, right? We want to know. What did we miss? Yeah. If there was anything we missed, you got to tell us. I'm, I'm curious to know. Yeah, I'm sure there were some fan favorite moments that we didn't include on our list or even honorable mention. So, yeah, feel free to add us on Twitter. We're, uh, we're curious. 
For sure. And if you're still here, thank you for listening. And we'll see you back next week, the week after. I don't know. Whenever we do this again. Sometime. That's right. Go Blue.